Hi there, I'm Bart and this is Tech in Seoul. Tech in Seoul is the first podcast on tech and startups in Korea. In partnership with La French Tech, we meet startup founders, entrepreneurs, investors, VCs, and other players of the local and international tech industry. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you will enjoy this podcast. Today I'm with uh, Jacob Jacquet, is the CEO and founder at Redzi. Hi, Jacob. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thank you. So uh, you're the, as I just said, you're the CEO and founder at Redzi. What is Redzi? Yeah, sure. So Redzi is a company um, and a software that helps job seekers create resumes. Um, yeah. Okay, helping job seekers create resume. Um, so, how do you see that as a like first as a problem? Like, why is it a problem to create a resume? And what is your your mission or your vision or, or the problem that you're solving? Sure. Um, so, I'll go into a little bit more background on the company first, and then I'll kind of get to the mission and problem. Uh, yeah. The problem is pretty simple. Like, writing a resume is difficult, uh, and it's really important because it helps you get a job. You know, and mm -hmm. it's difficult to get a job. So uh, this was a company I started in 2015. So that was quite a while ago, almost six years now. So I was a yeah. student of the U.S. and I, was, I just graduated. I had a really low GPA, but I was still getting interviews at companies like Google, Goldman Sachs, EA. So big tech companies that were using hiring systems to select uh, candidates to interview, right? So these systems are called applicant tracking systems. And... Kind of figured out like okay here's a secret that if your resume is created a certain way and you tailor your content for the exact job description like you will probably get an interview right so uh, mm -hmm. that was secret and the insight almost six years ago um, so we launched the company as a simple like uh, microsoft word document because i was 22 uh, we didn't have the investment we didn't have friends or family so it's like okay you have to build a proof of concept with zero dollars and then Uh, eventually we raised or we had enough revenue to build a very simple software. So, and then that gradually turned into a much more complicated software once you're able to prove that the simple software was, um, there is a market for that and stuff. So that journey happened over the course of five years in the US and South Korea too. So the mission, uh, going back to your original question is like, um, we, we started to help students um, and then These days, that's completely transformed, and we want to be the standard for a resume. So if you think about uh, search, you automatically think about Google. So if you think about a resume, you should automatically think about Resi. Uh, so kind of ambitious mission, but I think it's possible given our approach and technology that we've built to this point. Okay. And um, like really technically, like for people who would not understand, what, what is your solution? Like what? what exactly why is it easier to make a resume with ready yeah right so if we think about a resume builder it's like you input text and it reformats into a resume so that's the most basic description of a resume software um, but what we really focus on is the input of the text because that's ultimately what's going to get you hired or interviewed at these companies so what we've done is we've developed different systems within our resume software to automatically review content, kind of like Grammarly. Uh, we've 
um, been able to build AI that pulls out specific keywords from a job description. And then most recently, we've uh, integrated an AI that will automatically write content for you based on a job description. So instead of really focusing on formatting like a lot of resumes do or resume builders do, we've completely focused on using technology to scale content creation uh, for building a hireable resume the right way. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So did you develop your own technology? Yes. Um, recently, we got access to the GPT-3 uh, API, and that was that allowed us to take the step from our basic proprietary AI that pulls out keywords to training the AI to completely understand the best practices of writing a resume and cover letter, uh, understanding the input, which is the user's resume, and then translating those two uh, pieces of information into like a, a generated cover letter or resume. So. With the help of uh, OpenAI's GPT-3 API, we were able to make that huge step forward. Okay, so for someone like me who has no idea what <laughs> GPT-3 <laughs> is, could you just just like very briefly, but explain what what it does or why it's special? Um, it's special because it works so well, and it can do so many different types of language generation tasks. So, so it's like, a, it's a kind of AI. Is it a kind exactly. of? Okay. So uh, like a language model. So you input text, you train it on how to modify the text, usually by examples, and then it will output um, what you're hopefully looking for. And what we were able to do is train uh, the GPT-3 input based on a vast amount of user data that we've collected since launching the software. So it's really well tuned based on the best resumes that we've seen on our platform. Uh, to scalably create resumes and cover letters for any job seeker. And the cool part about this um, isn't really the technology, but it's the efficiency of the cost of using this type of technology. Because um, if we think about alternatives, which would be like a consultant, somebody who charges $1,000 to write a resume, uh, you could build like 2 million cover letters with that same price. It's just like, orders of magnitudes less expensive than uh, somebody who makes a living by like scamming people out of money like that. So it's really interesting to see how we can disrupt traditional markets using really cool consumer AI like this. Okay, so you use this open source technology, right? And and you adapt it for your business through 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 AI, if I understand well. Um, but why, why, why do you say it's costing? Because once, you're, once it's developed, it's actually free to run, no? Right. So uh, just a correction, it's not open source. Um, okay. Uh, so it comes from a research, a research organization, OpenAI out of San Francisco, and they're uh -huh. extremely selective about who gets access to this API. So we had to make an application for it. We had to describe the use case. We had to go through two technical interviews, and then they gave us after they reviewed our production uh, development too. So. Um, in terms of the cost of it, since it's an API, it's usage-based. So they meter how many requests we make towards the, AP, the API. And then we're essentially like reselling that trained technology into one of our features. So. Oh, okay. So the more you use it, the more you have to pay, basically. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. So that uh, brings me, the next question is, uh, how do you make money? Uh, yeah, so our business model is quite simple. Uh, for consumers or normal job seekers, we just have subscriptions. So since we do a lot of uh, 
different features that aren't available towards the free model, they have the option to upgrade. Uh, we do like a lifetime. Uh, we have different pricing models because we built this company to help people. And as a team, we kind of felt bad if we're charging a job seeker a lot of money to build a good resume, you know, like that. Yeah, that's just, always the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Is you're asking people who are looking for a job to to pay for, for, for looking for a job. Uh, okay, go, go on. So like, uh, if, if, if it was up to me, it would be free, you know, like um, we built this company to help people. So price shouldn't be a barrier to having a better resume. So recently we did launch a product that's helping us refocus where the bulk of our revenue is coming from. And that's a white label resume software. So um, instead of charging job seekers, we can charge organizations, they deploy the software and then the job seekers can use it for free. So that's our like B2B SaaS. Um, and it's been wildly popular. We've had uh, inquiries from like the University of Phoenix, Western Governors, Governors University. Uh, it's deployed at Seoul National University. We're talking to Korea University. So, um, and not only universities, but I think those are some pretty uh, recognizable names that are interested in using the software. Okay, so the company is buying your solution and then they brand it by the name, right? So we could imagine that McDonald's have their own uh, McDonald's uh, uh, building resume service. Exactly. And they yeah. take the cost for the job seeker. Exactly. And they just pay us in cheeseburgers instead. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's a cool model and uh, nothing like this is in the market. So uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting because when we successfully close these types of contracts, it fundamentally changes like our revenue metrics, you know, like um, the lifetime value of a customer isn't like uh, asking a job seeker $3 per month for three months. It's hundreds of dollars over the courses of Uh, years potentially through organizations. So it's it's a much healthier and scalable business model than the B2C SaaS. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you charge that? Is that by resume or they have like credits or how does it work? Yeah, um, we talked a little bit about uh, open AIs like metered based. Uh, so it's a little bit similar to that where uh, the, based on the number of users, they would fall into a different tier of subscription price. Okay, but they have a way to know in advance, right? Like how much it's going to cost for like the next year? Yeah, of course. So um, of course they can estimate based on the size of their audience. And of course in the dashboard it's developed so they can see how much or the usage and the estimated cost at the end of the next billing cycle. So uh, that just comes down to designing software in a way that kind of communicates the price. Okay. And yeah, I had a look at the website and uh, obviously you're still offering the the paid model for um, job seekers as well. So mm -hmm. are you are you do a combination of both systems for, for, for the time being? Yeah, yeah. So um, definitely more B2C right now because our team is quite small, actually. I think you'll ask us about this a little bit later, but um, we're an extremely small team. None of us are salespeople. We're just developers and designers. So we didn't really have the ability to close large enterprise deals. So we just focused on what we're good at which is building good resume software, so yeah. Okay, yeah, and so you still have a free version, so are you losing money on the free version? Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I mean, like logically, if people are using the API, but you're not charging oh, okay. for the API, then oh. you're buying, you're paying for the API, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, each free account gets 5,000 AI credits, um, but 
50,000 AI credits is like 10 bucks. So it's losing a fraction of a penny for that stuff. So, um, and we're profitable enough. So it's not like our margins aren't thin enough where it makes a difference. So, okay. Um, yeah. Do, you, do you have numbers you can share about like your users, your profitability, your, your revenue? Sure. Uh, so we launched the software in September of uh, 2019. So I don't know, like 16, 17 months ago. In that time, we've had around 50 or 150,000 users. Um, our monthly revenue is around $20,000 per month and growing quite fast, especially as we onboard more B2B clients. Um, the biggest challenges, of course, in this space are operating as a B2C SaaS product with a high churn rate, since uh, the incentives of the users are quite uh, misaligned with like long-term growth, because if you use Resi, you pay for it and it works, then you don't pay for it anymore. So yeah, yeah, the best, the best you, the, your service, <laughs> the best sure. service you provide, the less people stay uh, uh, with you, right? Sure. Yeah, so it's crazy, but if that happens, you know, that's a, that's a pretty like uh, defining and powerful moment. If you go from unemployed, like hopeless to employed, you know, that's, that's a huge change in your life. And uh, sometimes people attribute that to using Resi. So it's cool. Um, uh, for example, like a lot of people have known about Resi since I've been talking about it for the past six years and they're like, oh, that's cool. But what I really enjoy is like seeing these same people like start to pay for the software, you know, like, uh, friends from high school that I, I recognize their email address, they're paying for the software, you know? So yeah. this like strangers and more and more and more people are starting to use this. So it feels pretty good to hit that uh, product market fit in that sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, you bootstrapped at the beginning. Now, are you still bootstrapping? Are you fundraising or you just, you're just going with the money you're making? Yeah. So um, we've been bootstrapping. Well, we have a total of around $500,000. We recently closed our seed round of 300,000 uh, in the end of March of this year. So very recently closed this. Uh, we had a great year in 2020. I think a lot of people joined the job market as a result of losing their job with COVID. So we saw some pretty impressive traction, but uh, raising money is hard and it took a lot of time uh, that I didn't spend building up the company. And of course, we raised the money in Korea too, which adds another layer of complication to it too. So, because uh, oh, I don't speak Korean, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, no, I thought I thought maybe they they have some restriction on how you can use the money or stuff like that. Oh no, it's it's pretty clear on like how we plan to use the money. Um, our, our like growth metrics are pretty concrete right now so we know like if we invest x amount um this will be the return on that so it was just a matter of like um finding a good fit with our seed round investor um i think that's really important considering um we're a very global company um and our ambitions are global and how we operate also aligns more with like a, a western company rather than korean so it's not easy to find uh, a good VC who really understands the makeup of our company, but we're very grateful that we were able to find that fit. Okay. Your headquarters are in Seoul? Yeah, yeah, in Gangnam. Okay. So the headquarters are here. You raised 300,000 uh, US, I guess, from, from a VC 
a VC uh, uh, fund so far. Exactly. And um, I think we have about four angel investors. Uh, we are a part of the Lote Accelerator, which was like a pre-seed investment about two years ago. Uh, so our cap table is a little bit more than just one seed investor, but uh, the most most of our investment comes from that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I've seen you've been, uh, you've been through a lot of local programs, right? From like Case Startup Grand Challenge and others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been through most of them, you know, so um, this like whole global startup thing is re a really interesting and unique part of Korea, I think. Uh, so when I started, it was in 2016. So this was before a lot of this even existed. You know, I think um, over the course of the past half decade, like it really started with the Seoul Global Startup Center in Yongsan. That was really the first uh, government initiative that recognize like, okay, there's um, technical or um, capable foreigners of building these technology companies, let's support them and see what happens. So I think that was in September of 2016. And I was like the first person in that building as they were building the center. So from like day one in the startup center. Uh, and at that time, you know, it was just like a dream and a Microsoft Word document and a pre-website and my ability to give a good pitch. And then it was convincing people like um, the dream, what it could turn into. And then over the course of the next five years, we were accepted into the Case Startup Grand Challenge twice, Lotte Accelerator, uh, Hanwha Dream Plus. And now we're just on our own scaling up. So we really did start in Korea and we used the, like, the global startup ecosystem to go from idea to like a fairly popular software that's helping a lot of people all over the world so okay so you were one of the first startups to try all their programs as, as soon as they were uh, coming up all, all the all the way i guess um so you're the solo co-founder or do you have uh, the solo founder or do you uh, have uh, co-founders so uh, the solar founder i started this company uh, with my best friend from high school and we just wanted to spend a weekend like uh, seeing how far we could take it so he built the logo uh, so i will give him credit for that and then after that it's kind of left when i went to korea so um yeah i think I'm, i could be called like the solo founder uh, today we have our developer uh, luke who is a genius developer and thank god for him so I would feel a little bit wrong if I called myself like the solo founder, considering the huge amount of contributions he's made towards the technology as well. Yeah. Okay. But um, technically it was your idea and you, you carried oh, it all the yeah. way from the beginning. So um, yeah. Where, where are you from? I'm from Wisconsin. So like mm -hmm. um, for most people who have no idea where that is, it's a small like Midwestern state above Chicago. Uh, yeah, we know we, we know they produce cheese over there, but uh, <laughs> right? uh, cheese, beer, football, and it's just like it's so different than Korea. And uh, like, where my my exact city is a city of like thirty thousand people, so there is an in startup ecosystem over there. Uh, so I think being in Seoul, the decision to come to Korea really made it possible to uh, be right in the middle of a booming startup ecosystem and it really like leveled the playing field where it's it's diff it's more difficult as a foreigner of course but um, you will get the respect and attention if you do things the right way so it's totally possible yeah yeah so but 
how did you move? I mean, you 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 are in the university around there, right, in Wisconsin, and uh, building this company with a with your good friend, like as a side project first. Um, what makes you uh, move to Korea at some point? Yeah, right. So everyone always asks that question, you know. I, like, I guess. Why? <laughs> the most interesting question but I still don't know how to answer it um I was 22 at the time so I just said I was kind of like young and stupid and I wanted to try something new adventurous and really difficult you know like I wanted to push myself to see what I was able to do um and I knew that South Korea was the third largest English market I knew that the job situation here is so difficult for young job seekers who speak English I know there's a lot of global companies And I knew that the government was really interested in helping innovation. So those factors, uh, along with the fact that it's easy to come to Korea as an English teacher. So that was kind of uh, the bridge that allowed me to go from the U.S. to Korea on a valid visa was teaching English. And then through there, it was uh, trying to build up the company so I could just go full time on that. Okay. So, but yeah, you, you, you did it by yourself, right? Because my, my, My last, um, my last speaker uh, at the podcast, uh, they 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 came and uh, and, uh, and 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 told him about this program. He was he was running his uh, his startup company in New York, and someone approached him and said, "Hey, you should uh, try our our uh, case startup grand challenge program. You should apply. It will be good for him." So he didn't come up with the idea, right? They 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 reached out to him, but no, for you 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 found out about uh, Korea. Yeah, right. So this was before even these programs even existed, too. So uh, oh, yeah, with, yeah, so with or without these programs, I would have been doing this, which is quite interesting. And maybe that's um, a different like motivation for, I mean, it's just like a tireless marathon for the past six years. So it really takes a lot of like uh, determination to keep going through some very difficult times, too. So. Yeah, and it's kind of of um, yeah, um, a different, right? That a guy from like Middle America decides to go to uh, Korea, which is not also, especially at the time, a famous startup scene, right? So, uh, uh, but but it's really when you say the third English um, English market, you mean like as a as a learn as a country that learns the language, um, as a company or uh, sorry, a country that spends money on like English related products, uh, whether that's education. Um, language preparation, whatever. Uh, of course, India and China are number two and one, or one and two. Uh, but it's really interesting because Korea is so unique in, in the fact that proportional to the amount of people who live here, it's, it's number three, you know? Um, and if the way that I kind of thought about Korea is, it's just Seoul. Everything that's uh, politically, economically, socially important is in one city. And then, so it's really concentrated And then within that one city, it's pretty much the Gangnam area. So the way that I thought about it is like Seoul is the third largest English market in the world. Uh, and there's nothing like Resi over there. Like, can we make that happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you decided to take uh, Korea as like a test market, right? For the, for the product? Yeah, I, I suppose you could say that. I mean, um, are you are you more active in Korea now, or you're like really global and you don't really have a strong market? Yeah, we're we're just on the internet and we don't really do any marketing. So anywhere where people who search for like AI resume builder, that's where our users are coming from. So I think uh, number one is America, uh, the USA, around like sixty percent. 
Number two is like Canada or the UK. And then three and four switch off between South Korea and India as well. So our top four markets, one of them is always South Korea. Okay. Yeah. And so far the, the website is in English. Do you offer any other language? Um, the, the software itself is translated into French, Hindi, and South Korean or uh, Korean. <laughs> The, the software um, and the website, I mean, you offer is also uh, available in these languages. Um, well, I, I just differentiate between like our resi.ai and app.resi.ai. So like our actual technology is translated, but the marketing website is just in English. Okay, yeah, yeah. because I didn't see any any uh, language options, so that's why I'm asking. Yeah. Okay, so, so because what I mean is that, yeah, um, uh, you definitely will have more English uh, uh, speakers, right? Because because by default it's all in English, so we can imagine that um, a French guy wants to do the the resume in French, or a German guy wants to do the resume in German, uh, might be less um, interested. Would that work for them too, or would they have to do it in English only? Well, they can. It's at this point English only. Um, like our more advanced AI features are only in English at this point, so it's better for that. But uh, in the future, as we kind of like get to the point where globalizing would help us get more market share, um, then that would make more sense. But for now, there's a lot of stuff that we can be doing before we think about uh, localization of the actual like deep technology to, to get more users. Yeah, yeah. Let's say for now, your market is um, English resume builder, right? Which is probably the largest market anyway. Um, maybe, maybe uh, except for China, but that's another story. Um, and uh, do you have competitors? So many competitors. Yeah. I mean, like um, when I kind of started, when you were, we were asking about what is resi, I said like a, a resume builder is a simple like reformatting of text, which is not difficult to build at all. You know, if you're a developer, you can build a resume software. So uh, for us, I think it's been interesting because we've been a rather like late entrant into a very crowded market based on the focus on applicant tracking systems. So a lot of our competitors force users to build or they don't force, but they allow users to build a resume in any way that the user wants. Uh, that, allow, that includes like fancy formatting, um, a lot of graphics and icons, but they don't actually focus on the content because that's a much bigger like uh, problem to solve using technologies. How can you uh, add skill, help people write better content? And that's what a resume is about. So uh, we were able to succeed in this market or see a little bit of success based on just really good design and really good technology. So, and that's what a startup comes down to, you know, so. Uh, but yeah, competition is disgusting and there's a lot of it for sure. So there is a lot of competitors, but according to you, they're not anywhere nearly as good as you are in terms of the content part of the resume, right? They help you to produce a fancy resume, but not necessarily with the best content. Is that correct? I would say not only content, but like everything just as a company, you know, like the way I first thought about it is... First off, like a resume is boring if you're a normal person uh, and like no one's excited about a resume. So when you use a resume builder called like my perfect resume or like resume.com, you know, that really follows that thinking of, okay, this sucks, you know, but 
what we were the challenge that we had is like how do we make this an enjoyable experience and i think for us it started with the name resi because we really need to think about the branding of the company uh, what it's called it's easy to remember it's kind of a cute name so when we think about like resi compared to our competitors um, there's so many different considerations that have gone into how we operate that have turned out to be worthwhile uh, to consider so long ago. So, yeah. Okay. And how do you acquire your your customers? Um, starting with the because I understand they're on the um, on the company part, right? On the B two B part, you definitely need to go out there and 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 sell them. But on the um, on the job seekers part, I guess they come to you uh, for now. Uh, did you run some marketing campaign? Is it word of mouth? How do you, how do you get them? Yeah, usually it's doing podcasts like this. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, so this is the second podcast, but uh, usually it's uh, SEO, just like um, organic search. Um, it is word of mouth, uh, viral marketing on like Reddit or anywhere else for that matter. Um, and then of course the B2B side. So I think like the biggest driver of uh, our user acquisition right now is organic search. And that is pretty normal for this type of company. Okay, yeah, you haven't been running any uh, digital marketing campaigns so far. It's mainly people looking for a resume builder. Yeah, I hate Facebook, so I don't want to give them money. And uh, I think there's, we could do a better job on like advertising on Google, but um, we're a very small company again, and we haven't had the resources to, to do that at a good um, level of execution at this point. Okay, so yeah, how many people now? Um, we have two people in the sole office, uh, myself and Luke, who's the developer. Uh, we have our operations manager in India. He helps me review the resumes that are submitted and he also makes uh, like sample resumes. And then our sales is in the USA. So that would be two full-time, two part-time. Um, okay, interesting. Uh, so now you guys uh, are still looking for funds or not yet? Um, not yet. We just closed our seed round. So we have that. We're profitable. Um, so there's absolutely no pressure for that. We are hiring though, which might be a little bit more difficult than raising money uh, to hire the right people. Uh, so there. You think it's going to be more difficult than raising money? Maybe. Yeah. Right. So it took us about five months to raise money. So we'll see if it takes longer to, uh, to hire the right fit for what we're looking for. Okay. Well, the market now is, I mean, there are a lot of job seekers, right? Especially with the, the crisis situation. Um, so, but that brings me to my next question. So uh, obviously you have a good experience of the Korean startup scene. Uh, in your opinion, what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses of this scene? Um, yeah, so I think the coolest strengths that are like unique to South Korea would be the fact that it's Seoul and within Seoul, it's a specific part of the city and that's where everything happens. So it, it's kind of like a, a smaller stage. You can go and meet um, pretty much anywhere, anyone with, without too much work. Uh, the government has done a very good job um, with creating programs uh, for global startups, which I appreciate, especially compared to like Wisconsin, uh, the alternative that I faced. So uh, yeah, a lot of strengths for that. Um, I think just the, the labor force in Korea is 
very highly educated and pretty pretty competent is in terms of building technology and weaknesses. Maybe that comes down to the founder rather than the ecosystem. Um, so the weaknesses that like we experience don't really come from the, or our company experiences doesn't really come from the ecosystem itself, if that makes sense. But um, of course, language is always a big issue. Uh, that's not like immediately solvable. Um, I don't know. I don't really think about too many weaknesses about this ecosystem. I mean, there must be things lacking, right? I give you an example, uh, talents, because obviously you said that recruitment is a problem. Would you think you, would you think recruitment would be as difficult in the U.S. Uh, or other places that it, as it will be here? Oh, um, yeah, it would definitely be easier in the U.S. So, I mean, that kind of goes back to the language uh, answer that I had. It's, uh, it's a requirement for the job seeker to be bilingual and interested in a very small global startup, which really narrows down the talent pool. Uh, but one way that we kind of like go around that weakness is as a resume builder, we have a lot of job seekers who use the software. So we're able to like internally hire from the best resumes that users create on the software as well. So yeah, you, can, you can have a direct look at the database and, and, and pick the best one before they even uh, find a job. Yeah, exactly. We get first first look. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, that's clever. Okay. Um, well, uh, thank you very much, Jacob, for 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 your time and for um, uh, sharing this information about your startup. Uh, just uh, to to wrap it up, uh, any new project, any announcement that you would like to make before we stop? Yeah, um, I'll make two announcements. First, mm -hmm. we're hiring for marketing design and uh, development positions, and you can just apply on our website. And then second, we launched our AI cover letter writer, which will automatically write a tailored cover letter based on a resume, which is getting really good feedback. And if you want to try that, be my guest. Other than that, that should be it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you're moving to the next step, which is the cover letter. Yeah. Um, it's the applications of the AI that we have is really vast so like uh, we're, we're considering like even interview questions so if we know a common set of interview questions and we know somebody's resume then we can instruct the ai on how to answer these questions based on the user's experience so it's really interesting and then we can link that uh, text to like uh, uh, ai avatar and then have like a real-time conversation with um, like a, a person online through using this AI. So it's really crazy. On We don't have to stick with the resume, but we can go in so many di different directions. It's like, what do we focus on? And that's that's usually a difficult question for us to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but an interesting one. Okay, thank yeah. you, Jacob, and uh, good luck with Resi. Awesome, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Feel free to share it with your friends. You can also join La French Tech Soul by registering on their website at lafrenchtechsoul.com. And stay tuned for the next episode.